All right. Good morning. Can everyone hear me all right? Well, I am very thankful to be here. I'm glad it's warm in here and we're not outside, but we are going to, uh, we're going to finish up this series. So we've been doing the series called How to Study the Bible. And Bobby's been preaching on it, talking, been doing great, talking about all the different parts of Scripture. And we've been going through this acronym. And we're going to finish that up today with the last letter. We've been using this word SOAP. Very easy to remember. Everyone uses it, or at least they should. We've been talking about Scripture. We looked at Scripture and the, its purpose. We, he talked about observation, where how we're supposed to observe and read Scripture, look at it in the context it was written, who it's written to, who it's written by, and what they were going through, and what was happening in the world. And then last week, we talked about application. That was a tough one. Not just reading it, but taking it, listening to it, and doing it in our life. And we're going to finish up this week, and we're going to touch all the topics. I always have the blessing of, not always, sometimes I have the blessing of getting to preach, basically regurgitate all everything he's been preaching on. So that's what we're going to do a little bit today, because the last letter is P, and we're going to talk about prayer. And, I mean, that's probably easy for me to come up here and say, prayer is an essential part of the Christian life, and everyone should be praying more. Now I'm going to pray and we can go home. No, that's, that, that's really easy to say. But especially combining prayer and scripture and like studying the Bible, it's, a, it's very important because the perceptions of prayer are very, I don't know, they're very common. If you ask anyone who's not a Christian, they probably see it's weird. Why are you praying to something you can't see? Why are you talking to a God that probably doesn't really care about you? I was like, you know, you may have bigger problems than what you're going through. But I feel like those perceptions we need to break. Because first of all, prayer is not really for God. I mean, he doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need us to talk to us or talk to him. He doesn't need anything from us in the same way he doesn't need us to worship him. He's God. God doesn't need anything. God has given this as a blessing to us. We get to talk to God. That's the blessing. So those perceptions, first of all, we're going to dive right in and we're going to break those down immediately. And we're going to answer a few questions. First and foremost, when should we pray? When should we pray? The disciples, they started the practice, or they didn't start the practice. Jesus started a good practice of a scheduled prayer. Every morning he'd wake up early and go spend some time alone in solitude and pray. And the disciples re- repeated that. And I think it was they spent every afternoon. They'd take some time around 3 o'clock and they'd go find some alone time and pray. And of course, if you grew up like I did, you grew up praying for every family meal. You know, if you sat down with your family, you prayed. But of course, today it gets busy. Life gets busy and it's hard to pray when you picked up your food through the drive-thru and you're driving home or you're driving to your next game or you're driving to the next thing because honestly you probably shouldn't be praying while driving or at least don't close your eyes into it. You know, that's that's obvious. So when should we pray? Well, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. He says, pray at all times and on every occasion. He's basically saying there's no bad time to pray. You can pray whenever you need it. 
especially when you need it. It doesn't matter when, as long as you do it. Just pray. The next question is, well, how should we pray? How should we pray? Jesus made this pretty easy for us because he, he kind of preached on it. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, this is how you should pray. In verse 5, he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So he's, he's made it pretty clear. He's like, stop making it theatrical. Don't do it to be seen by people because it's not for people. It's you doing this for God. And he says this. Specifically, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, recognize who's God and who's not. Humble yourselves, people. Remember who's subject to God. That's pretty obvious. Pray humbly. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Recognize who's in control. Who's in control? Not us. God's will will be done whether or not we're part of that or not. Because he says, on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, here's, here's, here's a little spoiler alert. You jump to the end of the book, you read that God wins. It's going to happen whether we want to or not, whether we're a part of it or not. It's happening. Give us today our daily bread. This goes back to the whole, your father knows what you need before you even ask Pray for what you need and recognize the difference between I want this, but I know I just need this. Know what you need. Remind yourself of what you need, not what you want. Forgive us our debts. I mean, forgiveness can be tough. But it's also a reminder that we have been forgiven too. So we should forgive. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep us on the right path. We don't want to go that way. That way leads down some fire and some darkness, and we don't like that. God, keep us this way. Keep us this way. Keep us on the right path. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to pray, but I think the, on, the, the big idea coming from this is remember who is God and remember who is subject to God. And above all, be genuine and be honest. Be honest in your prayers, because God knows anyway, you know? So that's how we should pray. Probably the tougher question, why should we pray? Why should we pray? And there's a few different reasons, and, here's, and there's plenty more than I wrote down. But here's some big ones that I think are probably the, I'm not going to say they're the most important, but they're important for us today. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Basically, hey, you're worried, you're anxious, you're stressing out, pray. Pray away that anxiety. Pray that away. Pray. Prayer helps. You know, it's talking to the Creator. Bring all those requests to God. He can handle it. Pray away anxiety. James chapter 5. This is the second one. Verses 15 or 13 through 15. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can say this, you know. Trouble, pray. Sick, pray. Forgiveness. Forgiven, you know. But I feel like this is more in that line of out-of-our-control prayers. I love when we pray up here and we pray for a lot of healing because we can't control that. Pray for what's out of your control, and one of those is basically a big one. Pray for healing. Pray for healing. God has that power to heal. Pray for it. But we should really lift up anything that's out of our control, let's be honest. Number three, Luke 11, verses 9 and 10 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives or who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Basically, when you don't know, pray for answers. Pray for answers. Pray for answers and God will give you answers. Like if you genuinely, I don't know what to do in this situation, God. You'll figure it out. God will give you those answers. They may not be the answers you want, and you may not like them. I mean, probably the hardest thing to to comprehend is eventually that sometimes God's answer to prayers are no. (laughs) Sometimes he says no. Because, again, he knows what we need even before we ask. But pray for answers. Pray for answers, and God will give us answers. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, he says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. For he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's peace in accordance with the will of God. So this is that type of stuff where it's like, all right, I prayed for answers and God gave me an answer. I don't get it, though. But luckily, he sent the Spirit to be like, well, here's what you're supposed to do. Sometimes we need to pray for understanding. God, I don't know why you said no. But pray for understanding. He'll, he'll, under, he'll like make you understand why he said no. Pray for understanding. And that one's a tough one. That can be tough. Because here's the deal. In the same way prayer has a purpose, Jesus said the way we treat prayer has a purpose too. The way we treat it matters. 
Because it's much more than just talking to God. It's not rambling like he said. Don't be like those people who ramble. And don't be like those people who put on a show and they love to pray and seen by people. He's like, treat it, he says, treat it like a genuine conversation. You're talking to your heavenly father. Treat it like a genuine conversation. Stop treating it like it's a religious obligation. Because he especially said, it's relational. This is a relationship. It's between you and your heavenly father. Stop treating it like theater. You see, prayer is described as a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. That's why the disciples wanted to do it every single day and make sure they don't forget it. Jesus did it every day. But you see, much like a lot of other disciplines, not even just spiritual, just other disciplines, they're easy to hold on to when times are good. It's easy to do when times are convenient. It's easy to pray when you've got all the time in the world, when you're not super busy, when times are good. It's really tough to pray when you're really busy, when the world's chaotic, when you've got bills to pay, you're going from one job to the next, when you're going from one thing to the next. And again, like you're getting your meals out through the drive-thru, it's hard to pray and be thankful for that when you're going right to the next thing. Just like everything we do when it comes to following God, if we're just going to do it when we're, and it's convenient, then we are failing. Because here's the deal. The cool thing about following God is like this, and this is basically the whole message of the Bible, is yes, we worship him on the mountaintops. When times are good, yes, we worship him. That's when we need to recognize that, oh God, you have provided, you have blessed. But we get to know him, like really get to know him in the valleys. When times are tough, when it's chaotic, when it's crazy, when we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so the only thing we can do is trust in God. That's when we get to know him. So just like prayer, we pray even when we feel like we don't got the time. We set that time apart to read the Bible. We, even if we don't think we can fit it in our schedules, we need to make the time. Pray at all times and in every situation, even when it's difficult, especially when it's difficult. Because here's the deal. We've been talking about studying the Bible the last few weeks. And I don't know about you, but I feel like if you're reading the Bible and you're not reading it in a point where you get to with something, because this is a long book and it's got a lot of stories, it's also got a lot of difficult things to understand, and some things are just hard to read. And honestly, if you've never read the Bible and you've made, it hasn't made you want to shut it, and kind of quit for the day because you don't like what you read. We're probably not reading the Bible deep enough or just enough in general. Because there's a lot of stories and there's a lot of stuff that has a way of challenging us. There's a lot of hard stuff to understand, comprehend, that just doesn't make sense. How could a loving God do this? That doesn't line up with the whole for God so love the world narrative. I, honestly, those are honest questions that we can ask ourselves when it comes to reading the Bible. So when we read the Bible and those questions pop up, like, God, I'm struggling with this, it makes prayer a perfect companion for studying the Bible. Because honestly, when we get to a point where we struggle with what we're reading, take that request to God. 
God, I don't get this. Help me understand. God, I don't know what this means. What's the answer? Because here's the deal. God has a way of giving you some truth. And we have a way of not liking it. <laughs> like, that's just honest. We'll hear some truth and we don't like it. Now, I work with a lot of teenagers and everyone, I think, knows that. And I was at the school subbing a couple weeks ago and this kid was sleeping. On his desk, supposed to be doing his work. And I went up there and I knocked on his desk while he was there. And I said, you got to wake up and work on your work. He said, I didn't sleep last night. And I had this conversation, like, all the time, probably. And I said, well, why not? Don't know, I laid down, just couldn't go to bed. Now, there's a couple things I love sharing with kids. I love sharing with kids. I love sharing joy, whether that be jokes, even, like, bad dad jokes, because they're witty and clean, you know, they're good, okay, as much as they don't like them. And then advice. It's not good advice sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's great, but often I try to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not lying to them. But they hate both of those things, by the way. They don't like jokes and they don't like advice. Because that, if there's one thing 11-year-olds know is everything they need to know already. So, But I told this kid who was sleeping in class, and he's like, I couldn't sleep last night. I laid down, closed my eyes, just couldn't go to sleep. And I said, well, you know what that means. That's your body's way of telling you you didn't do enough during that day. And he was real confused. Huh? What's that mean? <laughs> Did you go for a walk? Did you leave your room at all? Did you exercise? Did you go hang out with friends? Did you do anything? No. But that's stupid. <laughs> Kids hate advice. It's fun. But anyway, it's... And I could be wrong. I could have been wrong. Maybe that kid's a basketball player. He spent all day playing basketball, but his mind just was racing when he went down to bed. But here's what I know. I know a handful of blue-collar guys who work hard. They're on their feet all day. I have a good friend who works retail, and he's always lifting, like, sacks of feed. He said there is one thing he doesn't have a problem with. He's falling asleep at night. The problem is waking up the next morning. That's the problem, you know? I'm sure a lot of you guys can probably agree that, yep, that's the problem. But when you drop truth on somebody, when you drop some cold hard truth on somebody, think of someone in your life who you've told them, it's like, you're in the wrong. You need to work harder. You're bad at managing your money. They don't respond well sometimes, you know? They're, oh, that can't be me. No, that's not how it works. I know myself better than you know me, okay? You know, every parent's probably heard that spiel. But scripture has this way of doing it too. Revealing truth in our lives, revealing truth in our world. And sometimes it's tough to read. I like, you know, it's kind of like a, like a tough pill to swallow. But it's the word of God. I mean, it's, if, do we not believe it's without error? Because it, God says it is. It has a way of challenging our priorities. It has a way of challenging our daily life, the way we live. And when we get challenged, I, what we need to do is turn it to God and say, God, I don't get this. God, this makes me angry, and it's okay to be angry. It's what we do in anger that can be wrong. But if we pray, I mean, that makes it a good partner for studying the Bible. Because here's the deal. There's a lot in the Bible that can challenge us. And I'll give you some examples, and I could go on and on. There's tons of examples where it's like, that's hard to read. Uh, for example, we did this one a bunch 
Philippians, the whole letter to Philippians. If you were to read that, you, you hear a lot of this coming from Paul. Endure persecution. Continue to put God first. Rely on him for what you need. I mean, that's basically, he's challenging that church because they're going through something real. But through studying scripture and especially talking about what Bobby's done in the last few weeks and you look at the context of it and you look up the history of this church. This is an ancient Roman city that was filled with veteran soldiers. Like it was people who did 20 years of service and as a reward, their retirement was here's property in this city. Go live there. Take your family and live the rest of your days in peace and in comfort. That's who he's writing to, this church that's surrounded by all these people who are patriots. They have been rewarded for their service. So take this, you've got guys who, say, who owe everything they have and their whole life to the Roman Empire and their emperor, who what they probably would call king. And then you've got this group of Christians being real peaceful about it, but they're going through the streets saying, Jesus is king, y'all need to recognize him. Oh, this letter becomes so different when it becomes a struggle between patriotism and faith in God. What comes first, God or country? That's the struggle they're going through. It's like we're recognizing God, but they also want to beat us to death in the streets. It's tougher to read. Hard to swallow scriptures. What about another one? Romans 13, that's a good one. This is uh, when Paul says, submit to your governing authority. I mean, that's, that's tough, and God was very clear. Governing authority is by his control. He's in the ultimate control, so trust, trust this. And don't worry about the, the, what man can do to the physical body, because you've got something much better. But at the same time, Paul was also writing to this church at the time that Christianity was illegal, and they were arresting Christians. And he's saying, submit to governing authority. He's not saying abandon the faith. He's just saying, hey, if someone comes to you and says, hey, do you follow the way? That's what they called the faith back then. Don't lie. Don't, you do not deny Christ in your life. You say yes. Often if it includes them shackling you up and hauling you away, never to be heard from again. That's tough. Prayer is necessary when we read this because we need to soften our own hearts and realize what God's calling us to do. Realize what God's telling us to know about that. Because here's the deal. There's some common reactions to Scripture. And this is what a lot of people who maybe have they've dipped their toe in church and they found it hard to do. They're like, I tried it. I didn't like it. This didn't make sense, so I don't know. One method, one method, uh, one reaction to scripture is just to ignore some parts of it, just to exclude it, you know, just maybe that's not, I don't teach that. You've ever had this moment and stuff like that? Uh, I've had these conversations a lot. I've had kids ask me, or I had a friend who I think he grew up in the church, but not really into it now. And he goes, will you explain the story of Job to me? I don't get it. One of those hard-to-read books where you're, and another friend popped up and he said, Oh, that's just God allowing a guy to be tortured. It's great. No, it's, it takes a lot longer to explain this book, but that's not it. And so sometimes when we reach those points where it's like, I can't explain that. I just won't teach it. I won't read it. I'll skip over it. But we, 
We can't skip over and exclude scripture. Here's another one. Here's, an, here's one that's funny. I, and I've been asked this a few times, and especially working with teenagers, you know, and I heard this kid once say, my grandma said, the Bible says something about tattoos. And I said, oh yeah, I've read that. And this kid goes, oh yeah, what's it say? I said, I know exactly where it's at in Leviticus 19. I've read it. I, I, I read the whole list. And this kid was surprised. He goes, there's a list? I said, oh, there's a long list of things that you shouldn't do. And he said, if you read right before that, it says something about, you know, trimming your beard. He goes, huh? What? I was like, yeah, if you're going with beard, you've got to go full homeless man. You know, you cannot trim it. It's very clear. Do not make it look nice. Don't trim the edges. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, all, everyone who's shaving today, dead. Should be. You know, it's very clear. Not only that, it goes down to the clothes you wear. Like, like yeah, you have to wear clothes of only one type of fabric, you know. Only wool shirts. You, you tear it, no cotton patch kit. No, you can't do that. Dead. You, you, you have to be, all be the same. No blended fabrics for some reason. Oh, also your fields. You can't plant two of the same, two of different crops in the same field. You got to make another field. It's confusing, and so if you don't understand what's going on, and you don't understand that these were these were part of the law that was written to the Jewish people to help separate them and get them started on this process of maintaining purity in all things, you're not going to understand it. You don't get it. So if I don't get it, I just won't talk about it. I just won't read it. That way I don't have to deal with it. To exclude scripture, that's what's convenient. The other reaction, there's other reactions for scripture. And this one is kind of like, this is one that often is excluded, ignored as well. What about the brutal parts of scripture? Ooh. You know, the book of Joshua and Judges and where there's a lot of violence, a lot of war going on. And this is one of those that makes people understand. I was like, how could a loving God say these things? Because when he told the nation of Israel and he commanded them, all right, go and put the whole city to the sword. Wipe clean everything, even the animals. So some people are like, I don't like that. I'm not going to teach it. I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to explain it to my friends. I'm not going to do that at all. So they exclude it, or they do this. They twist it. And they twist it just a little bit to make it a little bit more convenient, more easy to read. And they, maybe they can help them sleep better at night. I don't know. But they're like, oh, God, no, he didn't put everything to the sword. He probably let the animals live. I mean, God wouldn't have these people kill puppies. I mean, yeah, he did. He said, no, even the animals don't let them escape. I mean, it's brutal. But again, they can't get into the scripture and the context of it where... This was such a dangerous part, and the people were so easily corrupted that the only way to keep Israel safe at the time was complete expulsion of these pagan societies. And the final straw was complete annihilation. Of course, we live in such a good time that complete annihilation and that brutality, that's too hard to read. But that's the only way they could survive at the time. That's the only way God could communicate with his people safely. So they exclude it or they twist it. The other reaction is some people like to change scripture. They like to change it, whether they change the scripture or they change the meaning of the scripture. 
uh, oh, one of my favorites, I think Bobby brought this up, either he saw it online or he actually saw it in person, I don't know. Billboard outside of the church. You know those ones that you can change? There's always, I love seeing the witty stuff on them. Sometimes they have Bible verses. Like Matthew chapter 4, verse 9. It says, all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. The scripture is really funny sometimes because the context is not God saying that to us. That's Satan saying that to Jesus. <laughs> He's saying, hey, you abandon God, I'll give you the whole world. And a church put that on their billboard. <laughs> it's funny. Philippians 4.13. Probably every Christian athlete who have ever walked the world has probably quoted this at some point. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The context is not succeeding, doing well, you know, winning games. It's not that at all. The context is Paul's in prison and he's like, but I ate today. So I'm getting by God's providing. It's more about survival, not doing well. It's just about I'm going to see tomorrow. I'm happy. God has provided today, and I'm happy about it. Changing the meaning of Scripture is wrong, too, and we, we miss out on what God's calling us to do. Tough stuff. Again, tough things to swallow. But... The problem with how these people react to scripture when they don't get it and they struggle with understanding it is that what they're doing is they're trying to change God. Because if they're trying to change the word of God, that means you're going to change God. And you can't change God. We don't change God. God always is. Instead, we've got to let prayer and scripture don't change God. It's meant to change us. It is meant to change us so that we may better serve him. Scripture is not meant to change God. It's meant to change us for his sake. Because again, the way we treat prayer and the way we treat scripture matter. Because here's the deal. Prayer is, prayer is more than just talking to God. Prayer is a blessing. It is a blessing that is often abused or neglected, and there's so much about it that is good for us. Because here's the deal. When you pray, you're basically entering into the presence of God and communicating with your Heavenly Father. And entering into the presence of God is an absolute blessing, and it was not always available to man. Not for all people. It was given to a very, very few. So here's the deal. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures before I close. But the history of, of God being among his people is long and it's very detailed. Because for a long time, the only way God would be among his people was he had them build a temple. When Israel was in the desert, he gave them specific, specific directions. Build this massive tent and have a room in that tent. And then have a room inside that tent. And that's where I'll come and hang out. His presence would come down. And that room was called the Holy of Holies. And there was a large curtain that separated God from everything else. And that's where they would put the, like the Ark of the Covenant and all sorts of and the, some of that stuff. 
God would come down only once a year, and our high priest, the high priest of Israel, would be able to go in there. And he'd have to be on his best behavior for a long time. Because <laughs> if he wasn't, they'd have to tie a rope around him and drag him out. And he'd enter in, and he'd talk to God, and he'd offer up sacrifices for the whole nation. But something miraculous happened on the cross. I'll ask the worship team to come on up as I get ready to close out with this. Something miraculous happened on the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, and his last final moments, and some of the last words... A lot of things happened in the world, and people felt them everywhere. And this is what it says in Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54. This is when Jesus was on the cross, and it says, He cried out again in a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. And they came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those who were with him were guarding Jesus and saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Do you hear that? It says, The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom the second he died. And this thing was massive. It was like a wall being ripped into it. you to offer a prayer because he is willing to listen. We're not talking when we pray to 
someone a million miles away. And he's here. He's working in this room. Yelling, he even sent his spirit, the God, like Brad said earlier, that God, that the Trinity that was there at creation, that helped shape the waters of this world, put the lands and the stars and the sun and the moon in the sky, that spirit, that lives in us. Pray for you. 